Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Uh, This Sunday uh, would, any other year, be a big Sunday. Big Sunday, uh, so that's unison language for like family friend day, right? So like invite your family, invite your friends kind of thing. Uh, We call it Big Sunday. It's um, everything's bigger. (laughs) And um, probably around Thursday, I was feeling a little bit like discouraged about just the fact that it's not going to be big. Um, and I had, a, I had a moment. I had a moment. Uh, the lead team, they saw my moment where I was like, Ugh, when we had to talk about the weather. Um, and, and I didn't. Uh, and I was like, we live in Michigan. It's going to actually not be raining. I know it. <laughs> and it's not raining. But that's neither here nor there, Michigan. It's not. <laughs> it was still a very important and wise decision on the lead team part to be able to plan ahead. Um, but I want to make sure that we as a family are all on the same page about what that is. I think it just is what it is right now. We have a wave to ride, um, and we are riding it. So whether we're vaccinated or not vaccinated, going to be vaccinated, not going to be vaccinated, right now the numbers are high. And so we uh, will have, continue to have this broad stroke strategy for how we respond to that in terms of COVID. Um, and until we're you know, able to kind of be out of the woods on that, this kind of riding the wave together is what it is. Um, and I really want us to, um, to see ourselves as a family. I don't just say family because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Um, I really do say family. Like, we, we, even when we talked about being in this building, like, we are God's house, but this is our house. This is our shared home. As a family, this is our house. You get, you have two homes, <laughs> right? You share one with your biblical community. That's this church building. And you have the home that you live in where you keep all your stuff, right? We are a family. And think about all the ways in which our households have to ride these waves. Well, this household has to ride waves too. And ultimately, that is so that we are all able to continue to gather in ways in which we can safely and in a way that honors God. And so there's always a challenge when it comes to what that is, but not unlike a household, right? Not everybody in the household agrees with what should happen, but we all have to, as the household, be moving in the same direction. Um, And this sounds really weird, even especially when you talk about it from the, the standpoint of being a biblical community, but the moment in which you have that, that adult child that wants to go in a different direction, that's an indicator that they're no longer a part of that household, <laughs> right? That feels weird. But I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that that's a part of what it is to be a part of a biblical community too. And it's tough 
That's sticky. But as one of the things that we always have to be doing is checking our hearts, checking our soul, what is in the best interest of our household as a whole, and then, God, we trust you with that as we ride that wave together and never allow myself to be that one who is like, well, and I'm pulling myself out of the household because of I like that. Pause. It's okay. It's a wave. It's a wave. And so even as we talk about where we're going, there's things, even in this sermon, that I know are going to, like, pull your toes back. (laughs) Pull your toes back. But it's not because of anything other than loving our family, and this is where we're going. This is where we're going. So uh, the title of the sermon is Power in Unison. (laughs) Uh, I've said, so... Um, we'll be in John chapter 17 and also in 1 Corinthians. If you were streaming last week or you were in the parking lot last week, I told you that if you get on the Bible app, um, the Version Bible app, you will be able to log on to a live event and you will, excuse me, you'll be able to, to participate with a live event and you would be able to have the notes in front of you. If you're watching via Zoom or Facebook, the notes will be on the screen too, so you don't have to worry about that. But um, you can always take notes in that Bible app, and I believe that you can also save those for later if you want to. So just kind of a heads up for those of you who, um, who do like to use that Bible app, you can use that there too. Um, so I've said several times with Unison that um, a part of the name Unison has to do with Jesus's prayer, which we're going to read, but it's a musical term. You know, when I, when I was given, when I was leading choirs and doing vocal lessons, I would always describe Unison as same words, same note, same time, right? And harmony, same words, different notes, same time, well, polyphony, right, if you, polyphony, some of you are like, what is that word? <laughs> polyphony is, um, is if the row, row, row your boat, like row, row, row your boat, row, 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 like, you know, you start singing it and everybody's got these different parts of the song all going at the same time. Our common language, we'll call that a round, right? If you were in music class back in third grade, you learned that was a round. Well, the musical term for that is polyphony. Different words, different notes at the same time. And there's beauty in that polyphony. It's all complex. It's, you got to come in at the right time. You got to go out at the right time. You come in at the wrong time. You throw the altos off and they're looking at you with the face like, what? Right? <laughs> and so it's, it's complex. And it really demonstrates your skill level. When you can get some solid polyphony in a choir, whoo, man. I love it. And harmony. I, I, um, I remember sharing this when I, when I was a teenager, that one of the things I look forward to in heaven is being able to harmonize by myself, right? Like, that seems real selfish, but I just love the sound of harmony. I love the way it sounds and to be able to just, like, do that randomly. I don't even know if that's a thing, but you know, if we could ask for any particular jewel, that's what I would want. <laughs> And it's so pretty, especially when you get those five and six harmonies in there and you get all of that dissonance and that tension in the notes being close. I love it. It's beautiful. 
It's also a solid demonstration of skill level when you can harmonize well in a group of people. There's a blending that's necessary. Unison, though, is over, excuse me, is underlooked. It's underrated and overlooked, rather. We oftentimes divert to the beauty and the complexity of polyphony and the beauty of harmony. But the truth is there's some real power in being able to sing in unison. It takes discipline. The blend that's necessary in unison is what makes it powerful. You have to hear all of, you have to know that you've got all these different instruments, all these different voices, but they're coming to the same space at the same time. And when you are able to pierce through silence with this solid unison voice of a hundred voices in a choir, and it sounds as though it's just one voice, that is powerful. Harmony is beautiful, but unison requires discipline. I can actually hide in polyphony. You know what I mean? Like, it's so complex that if somebody, like if it's off a little bit, they're not going to really hear that. Trust me, I know. When I do them Christmas videos, y'all miss all the mistakes. Because <laughs> there's so much happening and you're just focused on one little screen that you miss all the other things. You can't do that when it's unison. If somebody's flat, you'll know. Even in harmony, like, you can get so complex with harmony that it's easy to hide. You can't do that in unison. If you're sharp, the people will know. So when I say power in unison, I don't, I'm not, it's not just about unison as our church, but that's what the name means. It's the discipline that is required for us to be black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, and come to the same space and still with one voice say Jesus is Lord. For men and women of all generations, for people who are doctors and people who are on unemployment to come to the same space and say Jesus is Lord requires discipline and it reveals the power of God to bring together what human beings have been separating for millennia. Some of you just thought it's because I was a musician <laughs> that unison was the name. Like, no. That's what, that's what we're supposed to be. It's that, that picture visually. So in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying before he's crucified. I know we celebrated Easter last week. It was a great celebration. But in John chapter 17, before the crucifixion, Jesus is praying. He starts off 17 praying honestly to the Father, and it's about he and his, the Father's relationship. It's just like, hey, I've come to the end of what you told me to do, and I feel like we're about to hit that last mile, and I'm about to push and give it all I got, Daddy. That's really what that prayer is in the first part of 17. And then after that, there's this middle prayer, and he starts praying for the disciples that have been following him. 
And it's an interesting thing. He doesn't pray. Like, it's, it's really interesting. One of my favorite parts of that is that he acknowledges the fact that the world will not really embrace them and that the enemy is going to be against them. And he doesn't pray that they would be taken, like that would be taken away from them. He just prays that the Father would protect them. Right? Like, so even though we're, that's not where we're going to be today, I want you to, like, know that that is what, the, that is what Christ prayed for his homeboys and homegirls, that they would still experience struggle, but that they would be protected in their struggle. So many of us are praying to not experience struggle, but that ain't even what Jesus wanted for his best friends. <laughs> right? That's something for us to just ponder. That's a whole nother sermon in its own. You'll get that later on this year, I'm sure. But where we are right now is the prayer for us. Jesus begins to pray for everyone who would receive the message that the disciples uh, deliver. In John chapter 17, verse, uh, verse 20 it says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That ever is the part where I say it's about us, because we're part of that ever. <laughs> we're not just the first people that Peter preached to. We are a part of that ever. He continues, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. If you've been around Eunice and long for a while, you've heard me talk about this portion of Scripture. This is the whole reason where we, where we have our name, is that idea of being one. Jesus' prayer that we would be one, we would be one like he and the Father are one, which is an incredible mystery. But when you really think about it, a church family being united is also pretty mysterious too, right? We share this house, but we all got our own little households. <laughs> that last part is incredibly important. And then we'll go to the, la the, the, the latter few verses. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I want you to highlight or underline that if you, if you can. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much as you love me. Unison, the power in unison. Same words, same notes, same time. Discipline. Jesus isn't using the word unison. Unison really is a reflection of Jesus' words that we would be so united. We would be so one with one another that the world would know that the Father sent him and that the Father loves us. But that's not just for unison, right? This is a prayer for all the believers who would ever believe. Some people know this, 
and some people don't because it's not always been articulated well, my bad. But unison doesn't exist just that the people who come to this house would be one. I was sitting in, uh, I was sitting in a Mexican restaurant in Wyoming, um, Lindo, Mexico, was where, and I was waiting for my food and just praying about Unison before Unison launched. And I was asking the Lord, what do you want another church for? We got a whole bunch of churches. And I was staring off at the salt and pepper shakers, uh, and which were Corona bottles. <laughs> right? Um, uh, and it was funny, like I just, just pictured um, this like those two things being mountains and this Goliath kind of coming over those, those mountains. And that Goliath that Jesus, or excuse me, that the Holy Spirit pointed to um, was uniting the church of Grand Rapids. Like a part of why unison exists is not just for us to be one, but also for us to be a voice for unity in the greater Grand Rapids area in the church. And so I remember at that point going, okay, well, like, if that's really what you're doing, well, you, like, you know, and someone even asked, like, well, why don't you just, like, start a parachurch ministry then? Like, you know, a nonprofit seems like it could do that. Like, well, that's actually the church's job to make the church one, right? And it's not to say that Christian nonprofit organizations aren't part of the church. They are a part of the church, absolutely. But there's something about that message coming from within that also communicates what the, the sacrifice and what we have to lose, quote unquote, as a result of that. And so I remember being in that space and praying and praying and even fasting, like, God, what are you doing? And I, and I started going church to church here in the 49507 zip code and asking pastors, what do they see in the neighborhood, but also asking what is your special grace that God's given you to, to bring to the body of Christ in Grand Rapids? Right, like if we think about this as a body, well, then that means every part of the body has its own function, right? The hand and the foot do different things. They're a part of the body, and they're important, equally important, but they don't do the same things. So part of why we struggle with unity in the church is because we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to be knees. We're all trying to be ears. We're all trying to be feet. We're all trying to be shoulders. And so going to these pastors and asking, what is it that is your special grace? And I remember talking to, I didn't get a chance to speak to one of the pastors at Kingdom Life Ministries, but I got to speak to one of the leaders there and their children's ministry being so robust at Kingdom Life Ministries. They're just down the street, right on the corner of Alger and Kalamazoo. And so, like, God's given them a special grace for what it is to, to, for children's ministry. That doesn't mean that every household doesn't need to have children's ministry. We all need children's ministry because we're all making disciples of little children. But if God's given them a unique grace for robust children's ministry, why does not the whole body benefit from what unique grace God's given them? Right? So long we've been talking about revival and talking about the fact that we're losing ground as Christians. And I am convinced at this point that our revival is waiting upon our unity. 
The revival we are hoping for will begin with repentance and be established in unity. Not, nothing, not before. If Jesus' prayer is that the world will know that the Father sent him and that the Father loves us based upon our unity and we're struggling to be united, of course there will be no revival. Of course we will continue to lose ground. The one thing that Jesus actually asked us to do, we're failing at doing. I don't just want your local congregation to be one. Everyone who will believe this message needs to be one. Now, practically speaking, that doesn't mean we can't, we can't be as practically one with churches in Namibia, right? I'm not saying that we can't be spiritually one with them, but I think one of the things that we've often done is we say, well, we can't be practically one with all of the church, so we're not going to be practically one with any of it. And it requires discipline and humility to say, I can't be one practically with everybody, but there's a church less than half a mile from here. We can be one with them. And when we don't, when we don't, it's like seeing the sweat on our Savior's brow as he prayed in the garden watching him sweat like blood and doing nothing to offer him a towel, <laughs> right? Like, I want us to see that picture. He's still going to do what he's got to do. But he asked us of something, too. He asked something of us, too, that we would be disciplined and we would have humility and we would not put our programs above that of other people's programs that are part of the body, that we would not be so much about our church family that we fail to and we miss what God is doing in other parts of his body in our city. Amen. The revival that we're hoping for will not come with rallies. The revival that we're hoping for will not come with conferences. The revival that we're hoping for will not be some big thing downtown Grand Rapids. The revival that we're hoping for will not even be some one person saying that we need to do this. The revival that we are hoping for will come when we say we have one head. And I am the thumb joint. <laughs> and I'm going to be the best thumb joint I can be. And I'm going to serve the shoulder and the elbow, and the knee, and the thigh, <laughs> and the pancreas of the body <laughs> to the glory of the Father. Paul picks up some things that Jesus was saying, this concept, and he, starts, he writes a letter to, to Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. He had a unison definition, you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> to live in harmony with one another. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I want to pause there. See, there's a, there is a, there's a reality 
that no one congregation could ever reach the Grand Rapids area. We're just not enough space in any one building. Not enough, there's not enough bandwidth literally on your computers. <laughs> like your, your internet service would not hold all of the people that needs to take care of all of Grand Rapids. That, Paul isn't saying that you shouldn't have different households, but he is saying that all of those households have a common purpose and should be of one mind. He continues, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Y'all know some of these church quarrels. <laughs> some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I'm a follow, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in my name, in the name of Paul? Of course not. This is not a moment where I come against denominations. We're part of a denomination. We are. We're part of the Wesleyan denomination, which I think is just like a greater household, right? Like this is our house, but if you think about your family tree, you go to the family reunion, you got, right, like there's, you know, there's me, mom, papa, and all of their kids and their nephews and their nieces and they're like all of that stuff. And you see people you haven't seen in years. Well, when we get together for every four years for the Wesleyan, like, you know, uh, the, the conference, it's like a family reunion. That's just one family. I'm okay with that. Because there's cultures and different things and different ways in which we interact with each other that actually, again, highlight the beauty and the diversity of the body. This is not me saying denominations are against God. Nope. But when I am a part of the Wesleyan denomination and say that Baptists don't have it, then we got a problem. When I am a part of the Baptist denomination and I say that, that the Church of God in Christ doesn't have it, mm, well, we got a problem there. When I'm a part of the Church of God in Christ and I say that Reformed people, they ain't not really walking with the Lord. Hmm. When I'm a Protestant and I say Catholics don't have it. Told you to pull your toes back. Because some of you your whole life have believed that Catholics are not walking with the Lord. And let me tell you, they are. You're just a shoulder, and you're having a hard time seeing how the big toe is walking with the Lord. It's okay for you to know that you have different purposes. It's okay for you to know that you're not the same. It's not okay for us to say that somebody else doesn't have it because I don't understand the way in which they interact with one another. Let us, as a family of God, see where we're a part of the body as opposed to always pointing out where we're different. Let's be also real. There's some things that are not a part of this body. That's okay. That's all right. That ain't even my job, though, to figure out. That's not my job to figure out. Jesus says that in the end, he's going to be the one who separates sheep and goats. He's going to be the one who winnows out the wheat from the chaff. It's not my job to look at this faction and say, mm, uh, today you're not actually walking with the Lord, so I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Nope. 
Jesus himself gives the parable of the, 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 the farmer that went to sow seeds and they, they put out wheat and then the enemy came in and put weeds in. He's the one that says, let them grow together and I will separate them later. So we get to still grow with them people that's even not actually walking with the Lord. <laughs> that feels weird. Oh, man, that just stepped on my toes because I feel like I want to. A part of how I know I'm right is because I'm hanging out with the right people. Well, that's your insecurity. That is not our job to judge and discern whether or not a denomination is walking with the Lord or not. It's our job to see how it is that we can serve them as they walk with the Lord and how we can submit to allowing them to serve us too. That requires all kinds of humility on my part. Power doesn't come with just strength. Humility is, is, the, is the biblical seed of power. Humility. Think about how powerful Jesus is. Think about this. This is the one who has placed every star in the sky and given it its name, but humbled himself in an ultimate display of power. And so even though we're part of the, the Wesleyan family, um, I never want us to in any way, any way be confused and saying that, that we're Wesleyan. Nope. We're part of the body of Christ, and we happen to be a part of the Wesleyan family as, as, that is a part of the body of Christ. And there is a unique and special grace that God has given this particular branch of the tree, and we embrace that. So there's uh, something that I've said in the past, and I'll keep saying it. There's only one church. Jesus is the pastor. There's only one church. Jesus is the pastor. Only one. Yeah, but there's like 50 of them in the, in the, in the phone book. Nope, <laughs> that doesn't matter. There's only one church. We all share the same mission of making disciples. And the one pastor that we all answer to is Jesus. He is our head, and every believer that you've ever known or every believer that you don't know is a part of the body. And we share in the mission of making disciples with everyone who calls themselves by that name, and we have unique grace and purposes and roles within that mission that will help us to align with one particular household. That's, that's really what unison is a household within the body that shares a mission. And so I want to make sure that I say out loud more this vision that, that we have. We have a mission statement, which I'll read in a moment. But the vision for Unison is that Unison will be a consistent voice for spiritual and practical unity within the church in Grand Rapids. If that's not been said enough, that's on me. But that is why we're here. God doesn't need another congregation. <laughs> Let's just be, it's okay for us to say that. God doesn't need another congregation. 
But what Grand Rapids does need, the church of Grand Rapids does need a consistent voice calling for the unity of the church in Grand Rapids and calling us all to humility. And that's not going to just be unison. There's a, there's a young lady who's on Facebook, um, One Body GR is the organization that she leads, and she shares every virtual church service that she can get her hands on all, every day on Sunday. She's been sharing Unison's uh, sermons, Unison stuff, since Unison began. <laughs> and she does that with every church that, is, that she can get her hands on that has a virtual service. There are other voices that the Holy Spirit is also pricking and convicting with this, too. And so she and I are talking about what is it that we can do to kind of work together to, you know, to, to what is it that we can raise the volume on that voice for that call to unity. Because the revival we're hoping for isn't going to come with anything else. I just am at the point where I believe that wholeheartedly. If we're not doing what Jesus asked us to do, why are we asking him to do more stuff? <laughs> Y'all be one, and then I'll show up. <laughs> I'm going to let y'all work with that. I'm going to let y'all, <laughs> I'm gonna let y'all have that one. But Unison's mission is not a unique mission in terms of the, 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 the whole body's mission. We have, a, a, though, a unique grace. And I'll read that. We're actually about to start um, kind of reworking this to make it a little bit more ownable. <laughs> but building relational bridges to engage the community with the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve selflessly as an instrument of hope. That's our, that's our mission statement. We'll, we're going to rework that, but there's the three things underlined, engage, elevate, and serve, are things to own. We want to engage the community with the life-changing truth of Jesus. This community, us, and our broader community. I love, love, love hearing stories of people here that are part of our church family who have relationships with, their, with outside of unison, and they're engaging with the Word of God. I don't want you to just relegate that to your brothers and sisters in unison. Talk about Jesus with your dentist, please. <laughs> Talk about Jesus with your anybody. Like Mama Kim shared a testimony this, this, this Tuesday about that. I want, I want us to know that this is not just about unison. This is about the body of Christ making disciples. Wherever you go, you are a part of the body, even if the Lord calls you out of unison, you are still a part of the body, and still responsible for talking with your co-workers about Jesus, for talking with your cousins about Jesus, for randomly praying with the bus driver or for the bus driver or whatever. <laughs> That's who we are. That's what we do. But we've learned improperly that that's something that's only supposed to be from our church family. Nope. That's not only something for our church family. We are to actually talk about Jesus with others. Elevate a culture of love and holistic growth. Elevating this culture of love, this has to do with our being multi-ethnic, but also this idea of selflessly engaging with one another. Love, I'm, I put you 
before me. I don't come to you with just my needs. I love you. And holistic growth, we've talked about that just several times. But a quick little statement, God cares about your soul being healthy and thriving, but you need a healthy mind and body and emotions to pull that off. Your soul is not going to be healthy if your emotions are not. This is what it is. I just was reading a book, and I wish I could remember the author right now. Pete Scazzaro is his name. Um, He says that we cannot be spiritually mature and emotionally immature at the same time. It's impossible. Right? So, so long we've been around church and we've talked about, like, you got to get your soul right. You got to be spiritually mature. You got to be growing in the Lord. Well, God made us a whole being. (laughs) I can't be spiritually mature and emotionally immature at the same time. So when we say elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, it's that. We care about your whole, we care about the whole self. And for us to serve selflessly as an instrument of hope to one another and to others. When we come in and we selflessly serve people, it has nothing to do with my kudos, it has nothing to do with what I get paid or what I don't get paid, and that has nothing to do with what, what award I get, it has nothing to do with me feeling good as I get done with it. When I come and I see you and I see your needs and I serve you, then I become a reflection of the hope that is in Christ. He did that for humanity. So I become the 2D version of that when I come and I help you with your tire. (laughs) Family, I want you to see this picture because I believe this is where we are um, right now. (laughs) The last year has been heavy. It's been heavy. It's been hard. And it's... Listen, I don't want to keep acknowledging it because a part of me wants to, like, not acknowledge it, bury my head in the sand and pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> They're like, we're just going to move forward. <laughs> well, um, what was that? Um, the Robinsons, meet the Robinsons. Keep moving forward. <laughs> like, nope, pause. We have to acknowledge the heaviness of last year because it's where many of us are. We want to move, but there's a heaviness that exists. Even as a church family, it's like walking in mud. Right? It's like walking in mud, and we're trying to take steps forward. I want to acknowledge that as a family so that we can also encourage each other to keep actually stepping. Because we will regain momentum, period. And what I mean by momentum is within our family, our our community as a whole, momentum as it relates to outreach, momentum as it relates to connecting, but it will not happen with us just standing there in the mud. We actually have to start moving. We actually have to be engaged with the community. We actually have to intentionally elevate this culture of love and holistic growth, and we have to serve selflessly. It's not going to happen by us standing there and waiting for somebody to do something. It happens when we put our feet in one foot in front of the other and kick the mud off as we go 
That's how we move forward as a family. Yes, there's real reason for us to be cautious. Let me say it out loud. But there's always been reason for caution in the body of Christ. There's never been a generation of the church that hasn't had real reason for caution. Our caution right now should cause us to be wise about how we move, but it should never stop us from moving. Let's be wise about how we move, not stop moving. So I told you, I put a little video out um, on Friday just talking about the fact that we weren't doing an outdoor gathering this Sunday and also just talking about us serving together as well as a family. Um, one of the beauties of a household is we learn how to serve the community by, by serving one another in your household. That's actually a part of discipleship. It's a part of what it is to grow with one another. And, uh, and there's so many of us, again, because we're coming from so many different backgrounds to unison, we've learned extremes on some ends that perhaps make it difficult for us to have a common culture and language about serving. So I want to have a common language about serving moving forward as it relates to our family, um, because how we serve each other will be how we serve our neighbors, too. Right? Like, that's the best way for us to think about that. When you think about your kids and them jumping on your furniture at your house, they're going to probably want to jump on somebody else's furniture, too. <laughs> right? It's just kind of how that works. Right? And so if they don't jump on your furniture at home, they probably won't jump on anybody else's either. And that's just because of culture in your household. Well, here, some of us come to unison and we've been feared into, scared into serving. Right? Like, God's not going to like you. God's not going to be pleased with you if you're not serving him. Not true. That's not, that's not true. I don't want to go there. That's not maturity. That's fear. And God doesn't work with fear. Conviction, yes, but fear, no. And then some of us, we come to the idea of serving like volunteership. And, like, and we minimize it as much as possible. Like serve one hour a month. Right, like that's all, like if you can just give one hour a month, and that's actually not it either. It's not. We're a household. We have things that have to get taken care of. If you only take care of your bathroom for one hour a month, you're going to have all kind of creepy crawlies in that bathroom. <laughs> it's not a thing. And I know that we don't, as a culture, we don't want to burden each other. And even as a church, we've made, we tried to, the, the broader church, we've tried to make serving something that is not, uh, that is more marketable so that people do it. So if I tell you, you only have to do one hour a month, well, then that makes it so that people will more than likely do it. Well, actually, all we're doing is devaluing what serving is. That's all that's happening when we do it that way. And there's this middle ground where we say it is a sacrifice to selflessly serve your loved ones. It always has been and it always will be. But that sacrifice in serving demonstrates the love of Christ and teaches us as a whole how we can be engaged with the world in a way that shows them the love of Christ. If I can't serve my church family, I know I'm not going to be able to serve my next-door neighbor well. just is what it is. 
So hear me, hear me, hear me. You'll never hear me tell you, you got to be serving to, to love the Lord. And if you don't, then God's not going to be pleased with you. That's a lie. And all it will do is serve to make you afraid of God. And I don't want that. But you'll also never hear me say that you only got to give one hour a month because that's it too. That's not it. The middle ground is selfless serving. The middle ground is selfless serving, and that is actually a part of making disciples. When we serve selflessly in our church family, we also equip one another to serve selflessly outside of our church family. And when we serve selflessly outside of our church family, we get to do what Jesus did in humility and in grace and in mercy, loving others above ourselves. And that is a mark of spiritual maturity. So for every person who, who, we, who has been taught that all we have just this bare minimum that we have to do, we're also putting a cap on our own spiritual maturity. We're also putting a cap there, and I want to blow that cap off so that we can continue to grow in the Lord. That's a part of what this church family is for. You better believe that's going to put a strain on our emotional maturity. <laughs> that's actually a part of it. It is. It just is. And so for those of us who are, uh, who are serving because of fear, serving out of habit, the emotional and spiritual maturity that you will be stretched in is sitting down at moments and letting other people do it. And not serving just because that's what we're supposed to do, but truly allowing other people to get in. And those of us who are waiting for someone to pull us in, stepping in, will be the thing that stretches. And we'll all be stretching together. That's family. That's family. And it'll be messy because family is messy. Real family is messy. If your family was clean, you just ain't looked at the mess yet. <laughs> you just ain't looked for the mess yet. <laughs> all right, some things for us to reflect on. God is moving to unite the church with or without us. <laughs> we are invited to join. I, that's, he's the one doing this. The Holy Spirit is moving to unite the church. Whether or not we are a part of the journey isn't honestly going to stop it. We are invited to join. And so let's be early adopters. Let's not wait until the second, second half of that bell curve. Let's be a part of what God's doing right now. I truly believe that 20 years from now, should the Lord, look, uh, old saints, should the Lord tarry any longer? <laughs> 20 years from now, that if there is a church here in the United States to speak of, it will look a lot more united than it does right now. And I believe that coming out of this pandemic, is the perfect time to build momentum into that, right? Think about what that is. It's the perfect time. Like, we're all so scattered, 
But there will be, like, like we're, this is the opportunity to start weaving together things that have been scattered for years because now we have a reason to actually stare at it. Mission of unison, make disciples just like any other church. Vision, B and C, one church. Mission, make disciples. Vision, B and C, one church. And then the last thing is serve and love. Not because we have to. Not because it's the box that I check to tell people that I'm walking with the Lord. Not because someone guilted me into it. Not because your pastor put up a video that said we didn't have enough hands on. (laughs) Like, nope. That's not what it's about. Serve and love. I love these people. And I want to be with them. I want to worship with them. Not even serve because you love God. Like, that's a weird thing to say, right? It's a weird thing to say. But the truth is, you can love God and just serve your husband or your wife and your children, and that's appropriate. We also serve each other because we love one another. And that's actually how we prove to the world that we love God. So I'm serving you because I love you. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That you love us. And with humility, you came and served us with power. And for many of us, that feels like this whole kind of like upside down way of seeing the world. But God, you did it. And so, Lord, we can too. We can too. You've given us the same power. And you would not ask us of anything that we could not do. And so, Lord, you say, Jesus, you prayed that you've given us the same glory that you have to be one with the Father for us to be one with one another. Give us discipline and wisdom And may we walk in humility to do that. Give us a humility that invites people to other churches. (laughs) Yes, we love to be together. And yes, we want people to be a part of unison. But give us also humility that says more so than being a part of unison that they're just a part of the body. And God, where do you want them to go? Give us that humility, God. Teach us how to walk in that. And also, Father, give us grace and humility to serve in a way that demonstrates your love. May the world see you in us. May we see you in each other. All to the glory of the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. How we want to be like you. Teach us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others can benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.